Hey guys, what's going on? Welcome back to the Euroforce podcast. Uh, today I've got uh, a little bit change of pace. Uh, we're kind of going back to the original, the OG podcast. Uh, Derek Krieger-Smith is on again, and uh, actually I brought in the uh, owner of Damaged Timber. Uh, he's a buddy as well. We all, well, actually the three of us all work at GreenLink Forestry here. And uh, yeah, they came in and we we didn't really have a specific topic. We kind of wanted just to talk about how we got into forestry, um, why we got into forestry, why we're into environmental sciences, why we care, um, where we kind of think things are going. And it's just it's just kind of a fun podcast where we just kind of talk about our feelings, don't expect to learn anything specific about, you know, climate change or biodiversity. Uh, that's not what this episode is going to be. I got lots of that coming up next. Um, I got one podcast I'm trying to edit. It was my first with three people and I kind of screwed it up. So I'm trying to figure it out. Uh, that one's going to be with some uh, forest fire researchers. Uh, that one was really good. And uh, I got some other ones coming up with an author and a bunch of very educational ones coming up. But this one, just chill. If you want to skip it, I understand. But uh, yeah, it's, it was good. I really enjoyed it. It was a fun time. It was easy for us to talk and kind of just rant about random things. Um, so yeah, sponsors, I guess. We got GreenLink Forestry, where we all work, funnily enough, providing resource inventory analysis. And then uh, Damaged Timber, Tony's company, they're an uh, apparel company, and they are supporting conservation and, and, and uh, environmental sciences through the sale of their clothing. He's putting 10% of all the, sale, all, all the sales that they has back into a scholarship program for people going into environmental sciences. So he's supporting environmental science through the sale of his clothes and, and, and giving back to the community. Uh, if, you go on, if you go onto his website, damagedtimber.com, uh, you put in your forest 10 at the checkout and you get 10% off everything. And also he's getting some sweaters in soon, some hoodies, zip up hoodies. And, uh, when he gets those in, he's going to have a big sale and you can, on top of the sale, you can get 10% off, put your forest 10. So use it. It's awesome. And also, uh, Freya forest resource improvement association of Alberta. They are also a supporter. So there we go. Uh, yeah, without any further ado. Oh, actually, no, a little bit more ado. I apologize. <laughs> Stop what you're doing right now. Stop. Go on to iTunes or Stitcher or whatever it is. Rate and review and subscribe. All of those things help me out a lot. It lets me know what everybody, how everybody feels. Do it. I really appreciate it. Please, please, please rate, review, and subscribe. It helps me out a lot. Um, yeah. There we go. Now, without any further ado, here is myself, Matthew Kristoff, Derek Krieger-Smith, and... Anthony Waranga. Today on the podcast, we have got two special people. We have got Derek, the metaphor, Krieger Smith. And fighting out of the blue corner, we've got Anthony, the biceps, Waranga. Welcome. Just kidding. I don't know. Oh, my God. I'm triggered. And that's the appropriate response to that. Is that how it goes? Yeah. Just pure silence. I'm a first timer here. How? As uh, Derek was pointing out earlier, he's the veteran of the podcast. That's right. Yeah. So. I've been on the most episodes after Matt. A blast from the past. That's oh, true. It's true. Actually, quite a few people have told me that like they prefer the episodes where it's just you and I bullshitting through stuff and not actually providing any factual information, mostly just hearsay. And <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but 
Just spitting random facts. Although I have had a family member tell me that they actually really did not enjoy that one and thought it degraded me a bit. So (laughs) that was fun. But (laughs) See, and I knew that. I was thinking about like what I say on the podcast and what's good and what's not good. And then I was like, oh man, there's someone in Matt's family for sure who does not want to meet me. Not you. It was like the fact that we just had a podcast that was like had no specific topic besides oh, yeah. like myths and misconceptions. And we just bullshitted a bunch, a bunch of random things that we've heard people talk about. It was that. Yeah. Oh. But whatever. It doesn't matter. So kind of be like this one. It's just, yeah. Well, no, this no, one's the exact same thing. There's thing. another person. So it could be even worse. Oh, yeah. This is the exact same thing. That's what I'm saying. It's just like whatever. To each his own. I'm, like, I'm going to have a really good intro at the beginning of this. Just saying like. This is Sorry. not going to be your like typical your forest podcast. Don't expect to learn anything. This is just going to be some people bullshitting. But yeah. Anyways, um, I don't know. I was thinking we could start it off. Like we were talking. You guys want to explain how you got into forestry and how you guys like yeah, why why you're in forestry? Yeah, I can start if you want. Yeah, yeah. Okay, the headmaster. I uh, well, like obviously you guys know my both my parents are foresters, so that was like pretty like a pretty one way street. <laughs> but uh, born to be. Yeah. Well, I, try, I tried to get away from it for a while, actually. I was like, I wanted to be like a helicopter pilot. And I was like, I'm going to be a police officer, fireman, and like a bunch of stuff. And then eventually I was like, no, nah, no, nah, I'm just, I'm going to do this. You're just trying too hard not to be what you're destined yeah, to Yeah, I didn't want to be the metaphor. Yeah, yeah. Like, I didn't want to be that, like, <laughs> like that, you know, that guy that followed in his parents' footsteps because it's just too cliche, but whatever. <laughs> it turned out to be, you are. turned out to be the right choice. Um, but then, yeah, definitely. Like, obviously, I have like hunting and stuff and camping and ATVing and all that stuff. So I think that brought in the, like the appreciation for the forest and environment and all that kind of stuff. And then you start seeing people, I don't know, start seeing environmental damage. You start seeing like crazy stuff like oil spills and stuff and it gets you pissed off and you're like, I want to be involved in that. And that definitely was like part of it. But I think mainly the main thing was just that I, I knew this was like the only truly renewable resource we have as far as like building material and like raw fiber for doing whatever X. Right. And I think I wanted to promote that and kind of, swayed those misconceptions but yeah well you guys yeah well in terms i remember of you me, heard you talk about it actually yeah yeah actually it's i remember this specific day i decided to go into forestry oh really it's still even on my mind actually yeah i grew up a little bit of background information i grew up on a farm kind of doing outdoor things like a little bit like matt like a little bit of hunting probably not quite as much i got that into the later years but uh yeah i grew up on a grain farm we had hogs as well and we actually grew up you know, nice place right alongside a lake, actually a creek, lake up uh, stream a bit. And then, uh, yeah, a lot of forest w- around. So a lot of years spent building tree forts, little cabins out in the woods. Tree forts. <laughs> Man, I've got so many tree forts. I'm yeah. like, I had to tear down. Not, not well constructed. No, I had, sure I had like a couple there. double deckers that were like falling apart. And I just like left the wood out in the bush. And then I think when I turned 16, I still got real into that. Remember that TV show Drop in drop in no it was like a biking like freestyle biking show i got real into that and i started making like teeter-totters like six foot tall teeter-totters <laughs> and stuff in the backyard but my dad was pissed i have like three or four different like sites so i'm pretty sure there's still timber laying around but uh, yeah, yeah that definitely helps <laughs> timber or lumber they're different <laughs> yeah, whatever whatever <laughs> like we this know. guy doesn't even know like wood know. get off your own podcast <laughs> But uh, <laughs> actually, yeah, one of the cabins we built, well, I say we, as in probably my brother and his friends built, and I just hung out there trying to be cool. But it was, uh, it's still there to this day. Like, my family doesn't own the property anymore, but like, I can still sneak through the back area. So you guys built a cabin, out. not yeah, a Yeah, it's actually, well, it's a cabin. Like, it's, yeah. you know, like, what was it built out of? Uh, was it like plywood and stuff? or No, it was. Oh, particle board. 
good is stuff. Be- back in the day, where there's a small, like small little mill from where I grew up from, and the the slabs or whatever, like from the ends of the logs. Yeah. They they just threw those out, so we got those for free. Oh yeah. So it looks yeah. pretty cool. It looks like a legit cabin. Yeah. But I think the there's another house that acreage that was built just across from it. So I think the kids that moved like moved in there, they they did a little few extra things to it, and <laughs> it's not quite what it used to be. Yeah. Maybe a little improved, but. Yeah, so yeah, so I spent a lot of time doing that, and then actually, how old was I? I was, you know, here at that age, we start thinking, okay, what do I want to do with myself, and like, you know, naturally, I'm like, well, I'll just go into business because that's kind of what you do. You just go to school for yeah, something. Business, right? I'll be, I'll be a businessman. Be like, well, yeah. what do you want to do? It's like I had a buddy who once told me. We asked him what he wanted to do when he like got out of high school or whatever. He's like, I'm going to be a consultant. We're like, okay, and he's like, no, I'm just going to be a consultant. You're like, what do you? What are you going to consult about? Like, what do you know that other people need to know? <laughs> and he's like, no, you don't, you don't understand. Like, I'm just going to be a consultant. I'm going to make like $300,000 a year. It's going to be great. I'm just going to like drive around in my truck in the oil field and like, it's going to be awesome. Like, you literally have no expertise whatsoever. No one's going to pay you to do that. He didn't understand the concept. But and he's a consultant. No. And, and, no, he's not a consultant. <laughs> <laughs> no one's asking him for advice. <laughs> so actually, I remember I was... Probably 16, just I think I was in grade, I mean grade 11 or grade 10, somewhere in there. Anyways, I started thinking about it. I was actually helping one of my uncles clear rocks out of one of those fields. And my auntie was there. She was bringing us lunch or something like that. Yeah. And she was actually asking me like, oh, I know. And I said the typical answer. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah, I'll just go into business and uh, you know, go from there. Own my own business, whatever it may be. I was actually into small engines like snowmobiles and quads like, quite oh, yeah. a bit. So I'm like, oh, like, I'd like to do something like that. Yeah. And then actually a few of my cousins went through the Nate forestry program and like that was actually two of her sons. Mm-hmm. So she's like, well, why don't you go into forestry? I'm like, well, I guess that makes sense. Like I, I yeah. enjoy the outdoors. I do all those prototypical outdoor things. So I'm like, yeah, sure. And that's basically when I decided to do it. And yeah, I'm kind of one of those guys like I don't put a pile of thought into it. I just, when I make a decision, I'm like, yeah, sure. That's what I'll, I'll just go ahead and do <laughs> yeah. that. You're describing our entire gender. <laughs> yeah. Like there's no, even like the house buying process, like I've, I've bought a few places. It's almost the same thing. I'm like, yeah, I like this place. Let's buy this place. Yeah. Even though yeah, maybe you know, I should shop around a little bit more and do that. So it was, it was a bit of that. It yeah. was a very quick decision. What well, helps when like Derek Fisher's in it too, right? That probably. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. When, that was yeah. Fisher's mom, I'm guessing, that you were talking to. Yeah, it's yeah. exactly who it was. And yeah. and at that time, like I'd, I've, I'd, I've seen Derek like, it was like every three, four years or whatever. I didn't know him very well. He's quite a bit older than I am. Like he's yeah. 12 years older than me. Yeah. Like I knew. You know, you guys weren't building forts together. Exactly. (laughs) Like growing up when I was really young, I probably spent more time with him. But kind of going through those teenage years, like he was busy. Like, well, I think he he started the he's the company Greenlink. I think I think I was must have been in high high school or just kind of around that time. And so he was twelve years ago. Yeah, like he was getting into like he's busy. So obviously, wait, more than twelve years. It was like fifteen years ago now. Yeah, fifteen years. Yeah, two thousand three. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah. So, yeah, so I didn't have much of a connection with him as whereas I do now. Yeah. But, like, yeah, it was my auntie, actually, who, yeah. That's sweet. in my head. Yeah. Didn't take much, apparently. No, obviously. <laughs> You're not hard to please. <laughs> no. And then there's the anomaly. There's the city boy. Oh, yeah. yeah. How did Let's that happen? That's, um, that was, I'm always intrigued to find out how, like, people who, like, didn't have any background in that whatsoever. But you kind of did, actually, growing up. You had, like, some exposure to it. 
Um, not a ton. Well, when you like, Jiffers, right? Jiffers, but I got yeah. into that after I'd made the decision. Right, Jiffers junior. was meant to be a, a purposeful stepping stone. Oh, I see. To get into Nate and show them that I knew what I was getting into. Oh, okay, I didn't know that. So, um, my mother actually mm-hmm. sat down with me when I was in grade 11 and was like, what are you going to do with your future? I was like, I have absolutely no idea. And, uh, Sorry, business. Started, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be an entrepreneur. My aspirations <laughs> are to wear a suit and like... I don't know. So I didn't know what to do. Be so respected. Be respected. Yeah. Oh my God. There's nothing respectable about me these days. <laughs> I obviously didn't. I missed the mark. But we sat down and we made a list. They're like, what do you like? And being grade 11, I was like, I like trees. I like sunshine. Like it's very much like high school. The world is is sunny. So I was like, I want to do these things. And then she went looking because my mom's the best and I'm lazy. And then she found the force technology program and she found Jiffers. Junior Forest like, Rangers. Junior Forest Rangers, yeah. So it's like, it's a summer camp where you can go out and you do a bunch of work and you're a volunteer, but the government pays you. Yeah. So um, the Jiffers volunteer to external groups, but then we get paid from the government. So yeah, it's what's, like what, your first summer job. What's the, like, what is the extent of Jiffers again? Because like, I've, I, I, when I was working hack, I worked with Jiffers a little bit and I was in Junior Forest Wardens when I was like in elementary. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. like the girl guys. It. That's the real. What's the ones. difference? I don't even know the difference. Wardens so. is for younger people oh, okay. and Rangers is for 16 and up. 16 and up? I think so. Maybe even 15. It's Maybe whatever. Like it's, high it's, it's older. Like the wardens, like we went out and we did, like we built like lean twos in the winter time and learned how to like make a fire out of like nothing with flint and steel. And then like we would like stay overnight and then we'd or we'd go fishing or we'd go like skiing or or whatever snowshoeing. You, you went to camp. I went to work. But we did this. But this was all year round. And every week we would have like a meeting. We'd go to and talk about what we wanted to do. And then like the next, like every other weekend, every third weekend, we'd go like out and. Go, out and about and do stuff. It was, it was pretty sweet. Like we treated trapping too. We tra- like trap rabbits and stuff like that. And like, what else did we do? But yeah, my parents started it. Like not, they didn't start Junior Forest Wardens, but they, in Slave Lake, they were like they were the ones running it. Yeah, I don't even know if it's still going on in Slave Lake. I hope it is. But I didn't, yeah, like growing up, there was I don't like first time I even heard of like somebody in my forestry school. There they said, oh, I went through Jiffers. I'm like, what the fuck? But you is probably that? had 4H. <laughs> Probably where you were from. A little bit of four H, yeah, yeah, mostly agriculture area, but like yeah. we had cadets where I was from, and like that, we did a, a few of those things, yeah. and like some outdoor survival things. But yeah, no, like first time I heard it was in forestry school. Like, yeah, Jiffers. I'm like, what's? Huh? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And Jiffers is like a lot more serious. You're getting out. You're actually doing like work for the government and like learning about like all the different careers you can have. Yeah. So go ahead. What about the, uh, <laughs> the, Well, one of the first things we did was we were in this gravel lot behind Kananaskis Emergency Services, so we're like right up in the mountains. And this was like an old World War II work camp. So when yeah. you were a good prisoner, when you were a good German prisoner, um, you could go out and you could cut trees for work. And this was like their old lot. And Where's so this? Were, this is in Kananaskis. Oh, okay. And um, so it's just gravel. And they're just like, okay, well, we have to put up these canvas tents. And they had a fire crew come through and cut us some nice pine. So yeah. we could do it, some nice thin lodgepole pine. And we start building these like terrible like tripods absolutely atrocious you take a bunch of city kids and tell them to <laughs> lash three sticks together that are like eight feet tall and not knock each other out so we managed to put up this tent and they're like great your tent's up now you have to dig a trench around it so they give us pulaski's <laughs> and we're just sitting there like some sort of cartoonish miner hitting a gravel road with pulaski's like destroying our joints and we're all fat and weak <laughs> i definitely i might be i might be projecting i was definitely fat and weak <laughs> 
I did this for like 15 minutes and thought I was going to drop dead <laughs> because it's it, you, like, just go hit a boulder with a, a screwdriver and see how tired you get. It was dumb. So we dig this tiny little like one inch trench for water. So <laughs> stupid. Um, and we ended up Making getting a, a camp inspection like three weeks later. It, so it's six weeks. They take you out of wherever you're from yeah. and they put you in a camp for six weeks. And like three weeks in, we had an inspection. And uh, the woman doing the inspection looked at our little trenches and was like, wow, this absolutely will not do. And she made us go and redig all of them. <laughs> Are you sure this was in prison? You were no, <laughs> well, kind of. But um, yeah, and we had to go and dig our own latrines up the hill. And we made bigger latrines. 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 So, called so, latrines. Yeah, so you just dig By, a big hole in the ground. I was going poop hole. Yeah, and then we built, um, we actually, we built um, kind of like a log cabin style seat yeah. and we actually put a piece of plywood on it cut a hole out and, and screwed a toilet seat in so you could actually sit in relative luxury <laughs> and you had no there was no way to fall into the poop hole which was the whole point um and then we wrapped the whole thing in uh, a tarp and it had basically the door was basically a flap with a rock waiting down the end so you just threw the rock behind you and closed the flap and so you actually had to like announce yourself before you went up because if you just pull the flap, you're gonna see someone oh, pooping. Man, my like my uncle and cousins and stuff, they run an outfitting business out in Nordeg there. And like when we we're in the backcountry, yeah, like there's the same thing you're talking about, but they built it out of like out of plywood and stuff, but there is no door. It's just facing away from camp. Yeah. So like when you're like walking up to it, you just like shout, like, anyone in there? Like, don't hear a response, <laughs> you just keep going. Like That's exactly yeah. it. Or, but like, the problem is like there's there's a lot of open ground everywhere and their horses are walking around and stuff. So like people will be chasing horses and they'll just like walk past you as you're taking it down, be like, Oh, this is perfect. <laughs> it's a really nice view though. You're looking at the river and like there's like a mountain ahead of you. You're like, This is the nicest view I've ever had while doing this. This is great. <laughs> Ours was not good though. The uh the tarp got so hot in the sun. It was like you had to take really speedy poops because you would just like black out if you were in there for more than 10 minutes. <laughs> it was just a greenhouse that you pooped in. So I oh, can imagine brutal. the wonderful aromas that come from. Oh, yeah, it was great. Forestry. Um, <laughs> so like I did that. We But we did all kinds of work. We went out and we um, we built trail yeah. for an equestrian trail in Canmore. Yeah. And so we were up in the hills and we were just, we had Pulaski's, we were ripping the duff back. We were using the accents to pull the roots out. They'd had a forestry crew that kind of came in and actually... Um, cut the trees really low so we were ripping whole stumps out which yeah. if you know anything crew, about I'm pine guessing. they have that tape root yeah that was oh it was so ridiculous pulling those stumps out tape root or whatever the tap root tap root whatever tape <laughs> tap there's no e <laughs> i'm english you don't know um tape tap and so we were digging all that out and it was and we built a like a little bridge with some pressure treated wood which was cool huh. um we had a day where we just picked bearberry bushes out of a campground so nice. that it wouldn't attract bears with the, the the berries on them. So it's just, yeah, it's just a bunch of different kinds of work. And um, I used that to show Nate that I had some level of experience or I knew that it was going to be long days working out sort of like doors and yeah. it's tough and I'm capable and I didn't drop the program after like a week of being out in the bush or something. <laughs> yeah. So that was kind of enough to get me into Nate and show that like... How common is that in Nate, do you think? People falling out the first week, just being like, nope. Oh, first week? Uh, I think we lost at least two. Okay. Out of... I think we lost one immediately. And then we had one person that made it through the six-week camp that starts Nate off. Yeah. And then they left. They just really liked the camp, apparently, but not, <laughs> not any of the actual schoolwork. I'm serious. Or did, this, or did the camp scare them off? Like, no. And the person that did it actually had been in the program three times and had done this three times. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. What? Yeah. This person goes, they go to the six-week field camp, and then they leave. You have to pay they, for that. Yeah. Right? They just pay like, a full semester oh, man. for a six-week camp. It's ridiculous. That's what you want in forestry because... 
you know, really, they like that aspect of it, but then they go back into the city and they're like, nah, screw this. I'll well, the weird thing was the, yeah. the person wasn't like very physically fit. Oh. <laughs> and so it wouldn't be the typical body type that you would expect to be doing like layout or really physical work. I think it was just kind of the fun camping laid back atmosphere. Of her. <laughs> and it was, yeah. And then you go to the boring schoolwork and they just didn't really enjoy it. I never saw that person again. I hear, <laughs> I, I hear they're around occasionally, but yeah. Nice. So yeah, so I, I got into forestry by being, I like trees and rocks and I got into yeah. this government program and then I got into industry. That's sweet. Cool. What keeps you guys in forestry? This so, doesn't have to be long-winded. <laughs> I'm afraid of going back to school and possibly getting involved in another industry that I don't like. Well, that's not very positive, Derek. <laughs> <laughs> I currently have a skill set that gives me a paycheck that's acceptable and why fix what's not broken come on you're supposed to give me like a like I mean, big story about like i really believe I'm in part everything of that we do and that's this too is honest the, that's yeah. too honest <laughs> yeah sorry uh yeah the thin veneer is uh, i love what i do nature's all around me all the time my workplace is a canoe on the river and um i'm part of the solution i'm the reason you have trees you're welcome there you go <laughs> that was pretty good, was pretty good. <laughs> tones uh, to be honest i've been working how much now? Ever since the summer. So, what? Eleven years here now, and yeah. I don't. Know, I just like it. Like, there's a good. I have a family now, so it's a steady job, and there's a good combination of um, going out in the field and you know being in the office. So there's it's steady. You can build a schedule around it. It's yeah. easy to manage. So there's that aspect to it too. But yeah, mm-hmm. like less and less over the years. There's less. There's less field work and yeah. so on, but which, that's typical with any forest. Yeah, position. and like it's whether it be the safety aspects of it coming into play more and more, or just the fact that uh, technology, this you know stuff we deal with on a daily basis now, it allows us to kind of skip a lot of that field work process now, yeah. which is it's too bad. But like I said, I'm home more often and all that. Like yeah. we're typical. Like typically we live in Alberta, so I mean it's either that or yeah, I I go make a hundred thousand plus a year and be gone for you know two weeks at a time and never see my kids and stuff like that so yeah, I, yeah. I like the job for there's a few aspects to it and truth, truth be told like i i, I could have gotten a few different things i'm sure and had a had a good career well, you got so a like, land rec diploma as well right yeah i have a land rec diploma as well yeah. i got that after i went to forestry uh, nate there and it was kind of not really a backup plan. I was I was interested in more of the soil aspects as well, and yeah. And I've never really gotten to use the skill set I got from there, but I never good, know though. I had a good time when I was in old. <laughs> it was fun. Well, that's like that's one of those things that I remember when I was in university. I liked the idea of learning about soil and soil chemistry yeah. and like how it all interacts, and I just never, for whatever reason, never really got the bug. But I still like still to this day like I. Like we, you and I were out doing soil pits yeah. for like that one project or whatever. And I had to get like totally like renewed with like how to do, like how do you do like the like the ribbons and like how do you like what's the texture and like the AE horizons and the B and the C horizon, like how, how all that works. I had to totally like brush up on all that real quickly, but I figured it out. But it's, yeah, it's definitely an important one. It's a cool it's, one that can like ties yeah, in like, perfectly with vegetation, right? So exactly. Like yeah. there, there's, it's a science, but I find more so it's almost an art like there seems to be different opinions on it and stuff and like you, oh. you kind of wonder like oh where does this horizon end this and like how do you classify that yeah. is it alluviated alluviated and yeah yeah there's a there's a bit of an art to it i found like even oh. though it's considered a science <laughs> i would start yeah <laughs> we were doing i can't remember one of our field one of our field uh, trips we were doing for university we were out and uh 
we had uh, the prof, the soil science prof, and we had the TA with us, right? And we all they dug this giant soil pit like three or four feet deep. It was massive, and uh, we were going through and kind of figuring it out. And we like handed our paper, or the or the prof came around and he told us like he's like, yeah, so this is what's going on, and we're like, oh okay, yeah, that's kind of different than we thought, but like you're the prof, like obviously you know what's up. And then like ten minutes later, the TA came around and told us something <laughs> that was similar but different and yeah, she's like course. well that's the and then she told us and i was like what are you talking about he said it was this she's like well it's up to interpretation I'm like what do you mean it's up for interpretation <laughs> what exactly we does have that an exam mean? on this that's, that's exactly not up it. for interpretation exactly that was my concern i was like uh what and then uh yeah she's like well it's just it's you can definitely get a definite answer, but we'd have to take it to the lab and do like chemical testing and have to like to be like, for now, like I'm thinking this is roughly what's going on. Plus they don't know everything that's going on in the soil, right? Cause they haven't tested every patch of earth ever. So I imagine there's a lot of stuff going on out there that they've never really come across. Right. So. Oh, exactly. And it changes, yeah. like it varies like from landscape to landscape. Like I took a two week course, this might be six or seven years ago, three of us here from Greenlink, we went to, uh, yeah thunder bay like the north bay area oh, in yeah. northern ontario and like we did two weeks of well about a week out of the two weeks was a lot of soil work yeah. and i had the similar instance as well like there's probably about 20 of us and like i think we had once one soil scientist with us and like three or four other helpers with you know they're you know quite a bit of knowledge they're well versed into it yeah and i was getting a bit of that too like oh yeah okay well, this is what that one person says and then <laughs> Then the soil scientist comes over and says something else. So, yeah. so like, it's always going to be like that. And especially you get some of those areas where they've been flooded over and this, and then there's different sediment. It gets confusing. Yeah. There's so much going on. It's yeah. the same as anything, right? Like any, like that's kind of what makes it interesting though, is that it's to really know that kind of stuff. You have to spend a lifetime doing yeah, it. Yeah. And sometimes you, you just don't know the history of the area. Like it yeah. could have been 60 years ago. There's a big flood over there and something else happened. And yeah. it's like, Oh, and if you're really good, you can tell those through the soil, but yeah. sometimes it just confuses the shit out of you. It confuses the shit out of me constantly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I try to stay away from anything that's like, yeah, you need to dig a soil pit. I'm like, I'm not your guy. I want to be your guy. I would like to figure that out, but I'm not your guy. <laughs> yeah, like in Olds. Tony. <laughs> yeah. This, the soil scientist in Olds, like my prof there, he was really good. Like he yeah. did, I did learn quite a bit, but I also learned through my experience. So yeah, it tends to be a bit of an art form. Yeah, no, for sure. I think which that's is, true. With like, well, even with what we do too, it seems like which makes it interesting. Yeah, no, it does make it interesting. Yeah, it takes time to, yeah, to try and see all of the potential aspects of it, all the things that might happen or might occur. Yeah, it's crazy. Sweet, that was good. I enjoyed that. Have either of you ever eaten dirt for school? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Gold yeah, texture, feeling that, yeah. feel that texture in your teeth. Yeah. Something an accountant will never understand. Be like, what do you mean you didn't eat dirt for school? <laughs> I'm in forestry. Yeah, for people who don't know, you have to put, like, to figure out the texture of... you say of, dirt? Uh, oh, oh, dirt? Oh, no. No, oh. I didn't mean it. You mean so soil, sorry. You mean soil oh, sir. Oh, I just got marks deducted for sure. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I guess, like, the point of that was to, was to uh, determine the textures between silt clay and sand right and that's how you could tell what the, yeah, the like content of and I, I could never really i could tell how much sand was in it because it oh, like breaks your teeth right <laughs> and then like but between the silt and the clay i'm like uh, just exactly how buttery is the soil yeah i caught myself like relative to <laughs> what though right like that's that was the challenge and i was like i've never tasted soil before so this is my first time i have no point of reference therefore i don't know yeah, <laughs> there's sand and some other stuff 
probably a mix. We'll say 33.333% of everything. Yeah. <laughs> I was I was doing the entire soils course in Nate. I was like, I refuse to eat this. I am too good for this. I am clever. I can do this. And the exam rolls around and you are eating that soil. <laughs> You're getting every advantage you can. It is high stress. You have like seven stations of different soils. You're like spitting on the floor trying to get the last <laughs> batch out. You're like, I'll deal with that later. Uh, I like soil sciences. I wish I was better at it. I uh, didn't do well in those classes. I fell asleep. <laughs> I think we had I think I had three soil science classes, three specific soil science classes, and it was like every one got more complicated, and I just got yeah. more and more lost. It was not good. I didn't get good at university till my last year of university. That's how long it took me four years. <laughs> A bunch of that might be because of alcohol consumption, but we don't have to speak to that. Well, that's, <laughs> that's, that's definitely part of the university experience. <laughs> In the interest of you being employable moving forward, let's not talk about early yeah. university. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's over. <laughs> I, um, actually, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of interested. Like, obviously, my history is pretty easy to figure out. I've basically, since my last summer in Olds, I've worked here, yeah, for like 11 years. At Greenlink, yeah. At Greenlink. So I'm actually more interested. Like, uh, you know, hear from uh, Derek here, like, what? Like, I know he owned a business at one point in Drayton Valley. So, yeah, I'd like to I kind of hear his experience at like working. Um, so, I worked for... That was a hell of an eye roll. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my work history is a very sorted, poorly woven tapestry. Um, I worked for uh, Aqualectric straight out of school. So, I was doing their right-of-way stuff. So, I had to look at vegetation. And then I had to decide if it was going to interfere with the line currently or in the next four years because that was their management cycle. And then I had to... I'm, and you're from the rurals, so you can actually appreciate this, Tony. I had to then draw up plans that was like, here's how I'm going to either completely remove your trees or trim them and make them look like super ugly or take a cookie cutter bite out of the side of them. So it is clearance of the line. And then I have to walk up to a landowner and be like, hey, by the way, you see these beautiful spruce trees that no one has because you have to plant them? Yeah, I want to cut the tops off of them. Oh, <laughs> oh did you plant those with your grandfather when you were seven? That's cool. I want to kill them. <laughs> and then, but don't worry, it doesn't cost you anything. We pay for all of it. It's a real tough sale. Yeah, well, whenever I've seen those, like you see that lots come from rural areas, you're like, oh, oh like those are all going to die. Yeah, well, that's... and. That's that's the tough sale. Like, and I was always very pro tree. I was like, oh, we'll just trim them back. And and the thing is, like, you can trim them back a meter, and then they're like, we're gonna have to trim them every year. And I'm like, sucks to be echo. Yeah. Like, I I'm with the landowner on this one. If you planted that with your grandparents, if that's your shelter belt for yeah. your entire yeah. like house, yeah, it doesn't make sense to remove them. And if you cut them in like in half, there's a really poor chance they're gonna spring back, especially when they're like almost mature or over mature. But if it was like willow or if it was like a desid, I'm like, man, it'll snap back. Yay, ethical practice. Yeah, I was. <laughs> and well, I mean, to a degree, because I'd have people that would brush me off because they just didn't want to talk to me. And they were like, maybe if I ignore him, he can't touch the trees. So I'd leave a little door hanger that said, I want to trim. Like, you can mark your treatment. I want to trim the trees. And they'd ignore me. And then I'd leave one on their door that said, I want to remove the trees. And they would call me in 20 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> and I'd be like, oh, I'm sorry, wrong checkbox. But now that I have you. And then, <laughs> like, so yes, ethical, unethical, like, some light arm twisting to get a conversation that needed to happen. So, or it's actually, this is, this is terrible. This is like sales tactics in winter. You could be like, well, you know, your power line affects, and I have the County map with all the last names and I don't know these people, but I could be <laughs> like, your power line is going to affect the Johnsons and the Smiths and the like Boudreaux's down the road. Like it's winter. And they're just like, 
the Boudreaux's just had a kid. I'm like, think of the kid. Like, <laughs> it, was like it was very much that. So I'm like, I have to trim your trees for their kid that I've never met. <laughs> that may or may not actually exist. So, <laughs> You're yeah. a terrible human being. Yeah. So it's just, that's the, that's the nature of it. Now, that's not to say every person who comes to your door for vegetation management is trying to swindle you. At the end of the day, they're trying to keep the power on yeah. and you're trying to keep your trees and you have to find a middle ground. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I did that. If That sounds like a great job. In addition to it being incredibly boring, the only <laughs> conversations I had during my day were either old farmers who wanted to talk for six hours on the road, and you all know who that is. <laughs> I and, love those guys. They're my favorite. <laughs> yeah. They're yeah. a great time. They have so much knowledge, like the, the history, like the knowledge. We went out for PLVI, uh, Parkland Vegetation Inventory, and it was we, we ran into this this, this old ran- or farmer that was he was actually coming out with his combine or whatever, and we were asking him a couple questions about some things. He's like, Oh yeah, come with me over here. And we just like walked into his property and we're looking down at like all the maples, like Manitoba maples in the river Valley. And he was explaining like kind of what happened and like gave us so much insight that actually helped for the inventory. So those guys are the best. Yeah. They're either really full of knowledge or yeah, they don't want to talk to you. Full of something else. I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Especially when you see the no spray, uh, signs run around the County. Like that's, I did that for a summer too. I worked for the egg service board for two years and, you get a lot of those guys. Yeah. I actually have a story about landowners specifically that didn't want there was um there was a treatment that went poorly. So the contractor didn't follow instructions to what was agreed upon with the landowner. Yeah. And they kind of overcut some trees. The landowner got very upset and brought out their firearm. Nice. Which immediately prompted an RCMP response. Welcome to Texas. So whatever <laughs> so what ended up happening was it turned out um the company actually had an easement on this line, which is really important. So that means they have a legal yeah. right to be within a certain uh, delineated section and they have rights to that land and to, to manage it and stuff. Yeah. So what they ended up having to do is they had to pay a surveyor to come out and physically ribbon the entire um, easement that they were allowed to be on. And then the contracting crew that had to come in and do the vegetation had to then come in and stay exactly on the easement while there were RCMP present and they basically just told the the landowner to stay in the house and if he came outside the house he'd be arrested. <laughs> and if they saw a weapon he'd be well if you'd be basically if you shot. threaten people with a rifle in Canada it tends not to go over very well. No, it went over very poorly. And it, <laughs> and it sucked for everybody because the landowner like feels like they got bit. The contractors scared out of the freaking mind trying to do their day to day job and then Atco looks like a total, you know, and piece you're of garbage. Up, and you're tying up the police now. And you're tying up the police. Yeah, like it's just resources. no one won. And that's the worst case scenario. No one wants to get there. And yeah. you know, sad sad and bad things happen when someone didn't read their paperwork. What, so what do you guys tell people you do? Because like I find like doing vegetation inventory and like as soon as you tell someone you're a forester, they're just like, oh, yeah, so like, oh, that's cool. So you work for the government and you're doing this. And it's like, well, that is like a giant chunk of like forest, you know, the yeah. forest industry. But there's it. also like a way even bigger chunk of like non-government workers doing a million other things. And I'm like trying to explain specifically what we do at GreenLink is like, I don't know. It's, it's jumping through hoops. That's for sure. My wife doesn't really even know. My wife doesn't know either. She just asks. I'm like, well, I do this <laughs> and I do that. And she's like, never mind. <laughs> There's airplanes and lasers and I take the yeah. airplanes and lasers <laughs> and I look at the photos and the lasers and I tell you what's on the landscape. I just go with that. I'm definitely guilty of like overhyping it sometimes. Like I just oh, yeah. take the best aspects of my jobs and like combine it, them. Cocktail yeah. parties are competitive. I get it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I get these 
cool air airplanes that go up and take these wicked pictures. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's to, it sounds also interesting when I got like it an eagle-eyed view of the forest. Yeah. Like, Nobody gets to see the forest like I do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. it's without, true without actually being there. It's true. Yeah, it's fantastic. My husband met another forest technologist. Yeah. And the guy was like, he asked him, like, oh, what do you do? And the guy's like, oh, I'm a forest technologist. And he's like, and the guy's like, oh, you probably don't know what that is. And he was like, I actually do know exactly what you do or what you could be doing. And the guy was so impressed and blown away. And I haven't (laughs) met this man yet, but I'm very excited to meet him because he was just (laughs) pumped. (laughs) (laughs) I wonder what the percentage of is of the population that knows what we do is like. So there's what, two million some people in Alberta. I'm going to go with like. No, there's four. Four million? There's oh yeah, so there's two, two million in the cities. municipals. Yeah, and, yeah. Four, and then yeah, so there's four million people in Alberta. I'm gonna go with like maybe two hundred fifty thousand. That's like pushing it. Yeah, probably. <laughs> I, it. I get friends' dads all the time, like yeah. getting into like, oh, well, this and this. I'm like, I don't deal with any of that. Yeah, <laughs> I'll yeah, look into it. I'll yeah. be sure to get back to you. Yeah, sure. I'll let you yeah. know. Yeah. My father-in-law no. was a logger, and he still every once in a while asks me things, and I'm like, that's absolutely not a thing I could even help you with. Oh, yeah. even like me growing up, up until I was like, I don't know, we'll say eight. That's like the number. That's like my like random like I was a kid. I don't remember age. I go with eight. Same as like for whatever reason for the three last names that you're trying to make up or Smith Johnson and Bordeaux, whatever that's from I don't know. It's interesting, but <laughs> Anthony Bordeaux. Ah, there you go. Nah. Okay, I was wondering. I was like, I wonder why. I don't know why I thought. Well, why did he choose those three names? Two but... generic white names and then something plucked out of television yeah. obscurity. Yeah. Yeah. What was I talking about? I totally. You were lost. eight years old. I was eight years, old, but then what though? What were you saying? Guy, I don't know. You were saying something. What was I saying? <laughs> Oh, here. Now it's both of us. Tony, help. This totally got off track. I'm going to bring it back to the original subject. <laughs> oh, I remember what it was. Okay. I remember. Okay. I remember. <laughs> I Up until I was like eight years old, I had no idea what my parents did. Like my, I, I just, I was like, oh yeah, they're foresters. So they're up like. Up until eight only? That's pretty impressive. I think, or I might have been older. I don't even <laughs> yeah. know. But like, I remember asking my dad, like, I was like, oh yeah. So you like drive the like machinery that like cuts down the logs. Like, that's cool. And he's like, no. No, that's not what I do. He's like, I've done it. He's like, but that's not what I do. I was like, well, explain it, and he couldn't. He explained it, but I was, I was too young and stupid to know. Yeah, so that's even, a typical thing when pe- you tell people what you do. They just automatically think you're a logger. Yeah, sometimes it's easier to leave it at that. Yeah, which is like it's part of the industry, but that's that's a different thing. Yeah, I've gone into explaining it very quickly, but I look at the floor and act like I'm so exhausted and tired of being here. <laughs> And they go, okay, and they don't follow up. And it's, <laughs> it's worked for me every time since I've started doing that. I'm just like, well, it's like AVI, it's this vegetation. So then I take the polygons, and then we delineate them. So we make little boxes in the forest, and we try to tell, you know, the composition of the trees, this is more spruce, this is more aspen, this is more pine. That's neat. How tall is it? How how rich? What's the moisture? What's the age? Oh, that's cool. So then they write all these map codes, and then they put it on code, and then use it as, like, your base foundation for everything in forestry, including modeling and logging and road access. Oil and gas even uses it. It's pretty cool. Any questions? No? Okay, bye. Beep. Yeah, it's exhausting. That's exactly, and I do that on purpose, and they're like, "Uh huh," and I'm like, mm-hmm. "This is this is deliberate." I've actually, yeah, polygons have come up every once in a while. Like, it just for me, it's like, "Oh yeah, you like to make these polygons in the forest," and blah blah blah. And they're always like, well, "What's a polygon?" I'm like, yeah. "Oh god." I'm like, oh, "It's god. got multiple sides." And I'm like, "As you think of like a square it's a, or it's a octagon, shape. or it's just it's a shape." It's literally a shape that's with, closed, with, and yeah, yeah, with endless sides to it and stuff. And it's right. like, never mind. Uh, okay, let's. Think of something else. Yeah, let's let's move on. You're right. I log. I I'm work, a logger. Yeah. <laughs> Is it a line? Then it's a polygon. <laughs> if it's not a line or a point, it's a polygon. <laughs> like, should clarify. Um, 
Yeah. No, yeah, that's, and then that's... I did layout for a bunch of years after all that. Oh, that was the original subject. There yeah, <laughs> I did layout, which was really cool. So I did. Yeah, you had your own. You kind of had your own company, didn't you? Yeah, I had a really interesting case where I got handed a contract, which it doesn't happen. Um, my, the person I was working with as an employee uh, got a job for the mill, and you can't contract to the mill and work for the mill. It's obviously a conflict of interest. So he just told me, he said, "Yeah, in four weeks you don't have a job, and I start my new one." I was like, "Great!" So I'm like 20. But I had enough savings, so I ended up buying a truck that I still have and um, got and then bought the equipment off of him. And the mill was like, yeah, you're probably the same thing as him and gave me the same contract and the same rates and the same everything, which doesn't happen. Yep. And then I took over and did it for just shy of two years where we ended up. We sold the house. Actually, it's ridiculous. We packed up the business, um, said goodbye to my employees got married, sold the house all in like the same three weeks and then moved. Like yeah. we got married and then we were like, yeah, that's great. And then a week and a half we were in Edmonton. Just yeah. And that was in Drayton. That was in Drayton. That yeah. was a ridiculous time of my life <laughs> to be packing and doing house viewings while getting ready for your wedding. It was, yeah. It, and we have two dogs. Like it was just ridiculous. It was so much. And then, yeah, came to the city, uh, bummed around retail for a bit while I tried to lock down a forestry job. Uh, Met Derek at the college on the board. Oh, chatting. Uh, yep. okay. I were, see. You, were you working at Home Depot? I worked at Home Depot. I worked retail at like a, at a vape shop for a while, and then I worked at Home Depot. Home Depot was the lowest point in my entire life. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even kidding. The disrespect, like, and I get that it's like entry level and they're used to handholding, but they're like, don't steal from the store. And I was like, oh my God, if you hadn't said that, I was going to walk out with this power washer. Like, <laughs> freaking thanks, manager. She was the worst. They only say that because people do it. Oh, power, I know. Power tools. I had friends who worked at Walmart when they were in high school and it was like, they would constantly steal things like xboxes and like whatever like that's super common for like teenagers yeah they have no respect yeah it's like but like i was not even grossly overqualified i cared too much like my job was to literally wipe down like boxes of product like you know how dusty a home depot is so our job was to try to make it less dusty which is i know anyway we we do the job anyway so we went through we did everything and it was like i never got called back i was never told my job wasn't good enough i was never told i was being too slow i did great everyone around me who had been working there for like four years was getting called back and being like what did you even do here this place is disgusting the labels are garbage <laughs> like nothing's pulled forward and i was like i just did my job like a human being <laughs> and and my supervisor was still terrible like i was like this is great there was some there was some nice eye candy i worked with some pretty people sweet and now you're here now I'm here inventory doing inventory in a different way. So I've done the the layout, which is really good for inventory. It's really, it's made a lot of sense doing AVI and looking at ecosite. And then I can kind of like close my eyes and go back to doing layout. And it makes sense when you're standing on a nice little knoll of pine that's going down to a bog and you see that full transition from, mm. you know, pure pine to pine with black spruce to mostly black spruce with the occasional pine. You start to get maybe a little bit of larch in there and then you're straight into like the true bog. Yeah, you start to really understand it. You start to on. really yeah. understand the moisture Sweet. and what the nutrients do. So that's really exciting to yeah. nice. kind of have the aerial view and the on the ground view. So yeah. I don't know what my future career looks like. Like, do I go into modeling? Am I stuck in inventory now? Like, You can do whatever you want, man. Forestry is, you can, it's liquid. You just keep it's moving. liquid. <laughs> liquid. <laughs> yeah, so that's me. That's Look at Tony. Me Tony started an apparel company. Now yeah. Like, I'm a fashion aficionado. Fashion aficionado. <laughs> you are that. You always have the best clothes. Tony. Do I? No, <laughs> I was actually admiring your shoes. It's good to hear. I find myself, my I find myself like envying your clothes sometimes and then i wonder it's like no no it might just be that he's super jacked and the clothes look really good on him yeah, and i yeah. that's more likely what's that's going what on I like here to hear. i was gonna actually <laughs> ask you that because like i was looking at your website 
and your shirts look great. Like all the clothing looks great. But <laughs> there's this really funny thing about your website where all the clothes are on you. And I look at myself and I have, okay, so when you're cooking, have you ever like made meringue? So you take egg whites and you whip them yeah, up, I know right? That and you know when they say like much, yeah. they say like stiff peaks, right? And it starts to like kind of hold its shape. <laughs> I have stiff peak meringue titties. <laughs> so like when I look at your shirts, I'm like, that looks great. And then I'm like, but it, w- would it look great on me? <laughs> like I, I wasn't on any high school teams. Like no one, no one wanted to go to dances with me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm sure, but but they look great on you. So I'm just. If anybody like, wants to see what Tony looks like, or at least Tony's torso, you can go on DamageTimber.com and like the big Jack dude. That's Tony. There's my I, face on there. In a few I remember. Spots, I think, well, yeah. the best part was that I was. <laughs> I remember when you were doing the pictures or whatever, or I, I went on the website and I remember looking at the at the at the t-shirts that you guys had up there. And I was like, holy shit, who is that guy? That guy's, oh, that's Tony. <laughs> All right. Must have done a couple. I didn't want to pay for an extra model. So yeah. I was like, I just got to self-model this stuff. You must have done a couple bicep curls before that shoot. Well, we did do the photo shoot in our <laughs> downstairs bay and there happens to be a squat rack and I might have curled in there. Times. <laughs> <laughs> so We've all ready. seen guys at the gym who do that. They I come s- in, they do a quick pump and then it's like. Listen, listen. I swear I didn't even get a pump on before. It's natural. It's, <laughs> it's natural. natural. It's just what <laughs> yeah. it is. I just went up like that. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. So, so Damage yeah. Timber. Let's tell us. Damage Timber. How did it all start? Guess it was an idea about about a year ago or so. I'm kind of like I I'm kind of into fashion in a sense. I like t shirts and stuff like that. Like yeah. I kind of, some I like the outdoor gear. Like you were really into like Kuyu and like yeah. first light and Yeah, there's Kuyu, First Light. Those are really like hunting pertaining like apparel. Like that's like the really high end stuff. Like yeah. it, like I'm, I'm into it. I don't necessarily, I can't necessarily can't afford to buy that stuff, but it is so cool. nice, but so expensive. Yeah, exactly. And like, to be honest, like, like I hunt as well. Like I've, I've probably been big game hunting for about 10 years now, but a little bit before it got super popular just to put it out there. But, uh, <laughs> Oh, don't do that. <laughs> oh, yeah, I did that. <laughs> I was into it before it was cool. Oh yeah. So <laughs> just out there hunting. With so like I, I have, I have a few sets of camo and stuff and like, let's be honest, like, the way most people hunt, huh? like you don't, depends what you do, but you don't need that really specific, like high end camel. You don't need it. You don't need it. Just it just makes it nice if you're doing it all the it time. It does. Like it depends yeah. what you're doing, of course. Yeah. And like the camel I have, I, I like it because I think it, you know, it fits well. I think it kind of, the, the patterns look good. Yeah. I'm not really concerned about what the animals are looking at necessarily, but I look at myself, I'm like, oh, like, that looks pretty good. I look sharp. If I, I have to walk into 7-Eleven and get some gas and a chocolate bar, people are going to look at him and go, damn, he's fine. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. It's an actual, like, a decent pattern and stuff. And so I'm a bit, I'm, I'm a bit that minded. So, and then there's a few other companies out there, like Sticks and Stones. They're a they're Canadian-based one, and they... they they're kind of like they're more more so t-shirts and hats and like full like they pertain more to fishing and yeah. a little bit of hunting and stuff like that and so i was it was kind of a thing i was looking at that i'm like you know what why do i have to carry around everybody else's brand and stuff like like i you know what kind of a small investment would it be to kind of start my own so i kind of looked into it a bit small in quotation yeah, like you don't really <laughs> realize what you're getting into. Dollars. Yeah, <laughs> you don't realize what you're getting into necessarily, and that's the fun part of it. Like you learn along the way, and then you make mistakes, definitely. And then you know, as do I with the podcast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I kind of went down that road. I'm like, I try to think of you know what's what's a kind of a good name, like something something that pertains to maybe what I do or what I'm into, and like, well, like. To be honest, I went through, I'm like, what's some forestry terms and stuff like that? Yeah. And then I was kind of piecing words together. And then it kind of, like, I came up with the name first. Huh? 
And I'm like, oh, damaged timber. I'm like, that's kind of cool. What if I take out all the vowels and shorten it and like TMBR or whatever? And like, oh, I'm like that that kind of looks cool like yeah. that. Yeah. It's very hot right now. Yeah, it's a very hot way to do yeah. <laughs> no vowels. branding. No vowels. No vowels, vowels are so 2016. <laughs> I mean, so I'm, I'm like one of the first ones to do that, of course. <laughs> <laughs> but so I came up with the name first and then I'm like, okay, let's build on a logo or whatever. And Movement then. watches would like to have a word with you in the hallway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, I didn't get from them at all. <laughs> and... Um, so like there was that. So I had the name. I'm like, okay, let's go. You know, damaged timber. Like obviously you'd think like trees and stuff like that. And I'm like, oh, okay, what have I been doing? Like I I did some work for the, with the woodland caribou and basically um, seismic line assessments for cover and line of sight. And yeah, it's kind of yeah for reclamation. It, purposes. It's a hot issue these days. <laughs> you say yeah. You yeah. got a few podcasts. I've got about three that. on that. Yeah. I'm looking at having like maybe another one. We'll see. Maybe a few more. I don't know. <laughs> so, yeah, like, I, I, I kind of looked at the, the caribou. Like, that's m- well, my logo, per se, is like it's the caribou hoof with some trees in the background and stuff. And I think it looks more so I think it looks sharp. But like there is a bit of a like a bit of intention behind it, too, because the way I see like the caribou, like it's a multi multi person like it's there's. There's a bunch of stuff going on with it. It's a multi-use value. Like there's, yeah, there's, yeah like, there's a lot of like there's people. It includes that, a lot of different users of the land base yeah. to like help you know depend on what they want to do with woodland caribou, to, but to help it out. So yeah. like I looked at that, I'm like, okay, like that's kind of what I want to base my company around. Something like I look, I'm looking at all land users, like not just like hunting and fishing, like hikers and stuff like that, mm-hmm. and people that typically normally don't coexist in recreational areas and or they you know they have certain bias so i want to do that and like yeah included like i'm a professional kind of outdoorsman as well in a way so i'm like oh let's why can't it like why can't everything coexist there's got to be a happy medium and so on so i kind of based it around that that's yeah. kind of my whole bit of my signature there so yeah i, I use the woodland caribou just because it includes so many different users yeah and they're cool species and they're pretty cool and like yeah and like not a lot of I looked around too, and not a lot of other companies are kind of using that uh, profile. So I was like, yep. "Sure, let's go with that." Stands out. Stands out. Logo looks cool. All right, let's make some clothes. Cool looking logo. Honestly, when I was like, when I came up with the idea for the podcast, the next day, when like, I was thinking about it, the next day, I was in my backyard with like a, like, I think I was drinking a beer, a glass of wine. I don't know. I think it was a glass of wine. <laughs> I thought that matters. But <laughs> I was hanging out in the Red backyard, and uh, I'd had this actually notebook that I have right. Actually, I have it. I have pages. Not that, I, that this is a podcast, so you can't see, but yeah, I, I was literally just sitting there like writing down a bunch of names of like what I wanted to call this thing, and it was like our forest, uh, forest lab, and like I was like just coming up with a bunch of stupid shit, and your forest came up, and then I, like the next thing I was doing was like literally drawing like the the logo. It was just like I drew like a circle with like a like a deciduous leaf and then a coniferous tree in the middle, and I was like, that's it. And then I spent like two months trying to get two perfect pictures. The logo, for people who don't know, is actually a birch leaf. And then I ha- I took a tree, a picture of a, a spruce tree outside of Westlock that was silhouetted against the like sky, so there was nothing behind it. And I clipped it all out, went into Microsoft Paint, and like edited it, <laughs> and then put it in this like program that uh, what do you call it? Like double exposed it. And that's what that that's what the logo Microsoft is. Paint. Yeah. Microsoft. Not Adobe, but Microsoft Paint. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's ridiculous. It's, but it worked. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sometimes it can be the simplest things. But it was super important, like getting the logo right, making sure the logo looked cool and was like was yeah, it was gonna be 
like aesthetically pleasing, I guess, right? Like, so, yeah, and that's yeah. the most important thing. Like if, if your logo is total dog shit, yeah, like nobody's gonna take you seriously. Yeah, yeah. I know, I'm bad <laughs> it's with kind words. of about the brand yeah. in yeah. a way. Pictures help me a lot. I'm pretty bad with. <laughs> names <laughs> <laughs> hey that logo looks cool like yeah. that's something i could be part of yeah so it's a bit yeah like and i looked at it too i'm like okay either i gotta have like some sort of breakout product where it's gonna be like, oh that's so cool and i need that or, which is like a lot of r&d but yeah, yeah or you have like yeah you have like a concept like a brand so people can be behind that seems to be more common these days especially with social media yeah so that's kind of where i went with it i'm like oh I don't have some crazy product, but not not that I I don't want to like like innovate and get to those points. But mm-hmm. yeah, like f- as for now, like it's it's a brand and has certain meaning behind it for me. And yeah. so say it's so like the end goal. Like, do you want to be designing your own clothes and like actually oh, I'd love like, to. like getting like spe- like getting more athletic, like like getting like wicking clothing, yeah, and, like, like specific outdoor gear and stuff. Yeah. And then, like yeah, and I realize like I've given it a two three year kind of go around like. If I'm absolutely bleeding money still after three years, I might reconsider maybe my, the company direction or <laughs> totally scrap it. I, I don't know. It's that's the beauty of it, though. It, it's a learning experience. It's something yeah. I've I haven't really thought of doing or anything like that up until like how many months ago. So yeah. and you're already like well into it. So it's like, yeah, yeah, I'm well into it. So like yeah. like I said, like you know, mistakes have been made along the way, and like you really got to keep on top of things, especially with the clothing business. Yeah, you really got to be aware of the processes and how long it takes. Yeah, certain things to come to fruition and get your designs. Like, like I've been slow on some things, and yeah, like, social media helps quite a bit with like advertising, and like you get friends and family, and like yeah, it's advertising is the toughest one. I've noticed that with the podcast too. It's like hard to get promotion. It is, and yeah. it's 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 getting those specific markers out there like those specific ones where eventually like somebody sees that somebody important or somebody like where it takes off from that point Mm -hmm. and like i'm still looking for that like i don't have a pile of followers and stuff but like and that's the thing (laughs) i think i have one twitter follower (laughs) it's just gonna be like tony's new strategy is gonna be like you're just gonna be wearing like you know those 60s runner shorts and you're just going to be lifting and somewhere in the back <laughs> out of focus over a log will be a t-shirt. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it comes to that too. Like, I'm like, what if I get some really hot girls? Yeah. Where are my shit? A couple <laughs> AR-15s, with like, well, like, shotgun you know, a beer. With thongs, yeah. <laughs> like back shots and stuff. I'm like, that sex sells. So maybe I should go there. Unfortunately, it does. Yeah. Unfortunately, it does. Whether and or not you can live with your greasiness at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> How greasy am I willing to get? <laughs> but, I ask myself that question every day. But let's like, <laughs> I'll wait a few years yet if I get desperate enough and I'll probably start to, uh, yeah, so follow my social media. I could start having some ass shots in there and stuff like that. <laughs> You'd be like, hey, if it's good I enough for not. like Instagram, oh. you know, tastemakers and social media influencers, it's good enough for my t-shirts. Yeah. Well, though, but like the idea that I really liked about it though, which like kind of makes it stand out from other companies. Like, first of all, you care about like the, the, the quality of like the stuff that you're bringing in. Yeah, like, yeah just, everything's high quality. Like everything of that. That's actually a good point. Yeah. Like everything I've gotten made so far. Like uh, the hats, especially. Actually, I get there's a company out of Portland that makes them. So they're, they're they're yeah they're as high quality as it gets. Yeah. And the shirts I source out, and there's a company out of uh, Sherwood Park, um, Rogue Star that actually does the printing for me, and he's awesome. He does pile of different processes i've learned a lot from them especially mm-hmm. with my t-shirts because like typically like the the material for my first run of shirts are like is there a tri-blend and uh, i didn't know this at the time but i figured oh yeah i can get them digitally printed or this and that so 
it doesn't have that thickness of material on it when you get printed on. You know, some yeah. of those shirts, like it's called plastic. It's like a plastic cell. It always wears off over time. Yeah, like, like cr- it, it crunches cracks. up. Yeah, it cracks. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, but so I bought the shirts even before even realizing that. Oh no, you can only digitally print on 100% cotton shirts. So I had these tri blend ones, but there's actually another process you do. It's uh, it's a water based ink you can use using that vinyl. Tr- it's like a tra- heat transfer. Yeah. So I got that. It costs twice as much, but like it's in. It's good for the environment, and it actually soaks right into the material. So How is it good for the environment? Like, it's a water-based. It's not oh. oil-based. Oh, I see. Okay. So, so yeah. Yeah, so, the, like, the byproducts and stuff, it's not uh, It's not just, yeah, gotcha. s- sitting it's around. It's paint thinner and battery acid. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, I got that done to the shirts, and that, it turned out great. And actually, if after you wash them a few times, the material actually completely soaks into the shirts, and it feels as if, like that is just part of the shirt and yeah. you can't even tell the difference. So like, yeah, there's the quality thing I've, that's of utmost concern. So and the athletic fit too. Like I like, I always like athletic fit t-shirts. Yeah. And like, I know there's this a lot of people what that I'm don't. talking about. Yeah. I am not an athletic fit. <laughs> no, no. What do you have in like a women's B cup? <laughs> <laughs> and that's, and that's the thing I learned it. Like that was my first thing was the shirts. I, I probably, I maybe got too many shirts, but that's part of the process. And shirts don't go bad. They don't, and shirts don't go exactly. And I have a bunch of shirts and, uh, and like the athletic fit thing, yeah, I like it, but not everybody does. So like my next run of shirts, I'll probably do, I'll probably do more 100% cotton, a little bit of a different regular fit. Yeah, and it's fine too because they're actually they're, yeah, they're about half the price of the shirts I got. Like the shirts I got, like they're pretty expensive. You have to I make got, sure you reflect that in the price on the yeah, website. I don't, now. I don't, now that it's I, out there in the universe, you can't get charged the same amount. No, <laughs> no, and, and I won't though too. That's not that, that's the price point too. Like, what do you like the shirts? that I have currently like those left athletic fit ones you go anywhere else those shirts they're selling for like mid 30 up to 40 dollars and stuff whereas I yeah I sell them for like high 20s like I, I make very minimal on this stuff and yeah. that's fine I'm not necessarily that's how you get ahead yeah it's game, not necessarily right? in it to make a pile of money or anything like that and probably you know realistically probably lose money but uh, hey, well, you never know like, if you keep so. at it keep pushing yeah. it, right and like the other big thing is the is the scholarship thing right that's the yeah. one thing that i always mention on the podcast is the scholarship because that's that's one thing that i think sets you apart as well is that it's it's you're specifically putting going to try and put money aside for this like have you is that something that you're going to do in the future is that something you're doing now or what's the deal with that yeah like that's in my website i have it the fall of 2018 that's the plan to do the first scholarship run like like right now, I have no profit, but that's yeah. okay. I'm willing to put some money away for that, and yeah. the whole idea is 10 percent of all profits. So you're gonna put it away anyways. Yeah, I'll, I'll give it away anyways. So just, 20, so fall 2018, you're gonna give away the first scholarship. Yeah, I will. Yeah. Nice, that's so, awesome. So like, I, I still, I don't know the complete process yet, but it's not, it's something I want to do. Not necessarily based on like most scholarships, not at all, but they're based on like academics and grades and stuff like yeah. that. And I think it's, you know, it's somewhat important. So environmental sciences, some kind yeah, of... Yeah, environmental yeah. sciences, like the Nate Forestry program went through. Like there's there's a pile of programs pertaining to that, like, you know, yeah. some biology and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. So like, I think it's... So I'm going to have to figure out a process where I, I'm going to have to weed out potential candidates through, like probably interview them a bit and just get to know them and see what they do. Like, mm-hmm. what do they do outside of the program? What are they involved in? Yeah. Like, that's, that's really what I'm interested in. Like, yeah. Cause like anybody, not anybody, but like good grades are fine. That's, but like, what are you going to do with all that knowledge? Right. Well, I didn't have great grades. Yeah. that much I, like i said i didn't have great I, I was a solid c plus b minus student up until like my last year of university <laughs> all of a sudden i was getting a's so that might have had something to do with the fact that i was like all of a sudden interested in the content 
but like yeah i've heard it's, that about universities the first few years is like you have to take what everybody takes yeah well then, first year the first year the for first sure year you have to take sure. all of the like calculus yeah. and like chemistry and biology and like all the stuff that's not related to forestry then second third fourth year like fourth year you're very specific in the second and third you're in the middle there somewhere but you're taking a lot of economics and stats and then <laughs> soils and all that other stuff but yeah yeah, essentially, I'm just looking for that character person who's kind of the total outdoorsman. Yeah. Like, does someone who's committed to, yeah, exactly. to improving the environment and outdoors. Yeah, and, even yeah. through their academics. Like I say, ac- academics and like grades aren't important, but obviously it is because they're going to they're gonna be in a post-secondary program. That's the way I want to pertain to. You, yeah, know, you have to you show know. that you've taken it seriously. Yeah, exactly. And you know, most people are when they go to super poor. So, I mean, here, like, why yeah. can't I help out a little bit? Yeah. So yeah. just because you got your the A student doesn't mean necessarily mean you're gonna get the scholarships. Goodness if, no. If, if someone who's got B's or like high C's maybe is like shows more commitment and is and is more involved and has shown more resolve. Who knows? Like I don't want somebody who's just scraping by no, that doesn't not. really show initiative. But, but I mean, there's room for yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's not necessarily just academic. That's awesome. Yeah. So that's the idea behind it, and I don't know the exact way i'm going to prepare it and so on but like it's it's in the works for fall 2000 i'll make sure to announce it when you do figure it out how the house yeah. people can like apply. it'll be on the website i'll i'll, I'll make up a form and for people to apply <laughs> and then i'll go through the procedures of like if i'm gonna uh you know they can show me certain things or, or if i'm gonna have to interview people and, yeah or like weed it out like like right now it's just me pretty much running everything like my wife moran she helps me with stuff too so yeah. So maybe I'll enlist the services of the podcast to help me out with that. <laughs> yeah. My reach is not that big, but yeah. I'll, hey, I'll well, do my best. <laughs> it's, better, it's better than nothing. So. No, I like that idea. I was, I was really excited when you told me about that because it's, like, it it's, it's a good call, right? Like having the, the scholarship involved with it because I think that'll bring like it's, – it's another way to bring more awareness and more like, – you know what I mean? Like it just, it just helps with, with, with the whole kind of struggle towards environmental sustainability and everything, right? I think so. And yeah. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. I'm yeah, I'm kind of excited actually yeah. to see how yeah what kind I'm of too. people apply for it. Yeah, it's kind of funny. We we started. I started the podcast at like like the same week that you decided to start. <laughs> yeah, Damage well, you actually seen the logo on my vehicle. Uh, yeah, I, I saw the like, yeah. You're like, what's that? I'm like, oh, I'll tell you sometime. Yeah. And eventually I told you. I think like, it, oh, no, it was like hours later. I was like, no, no, I need to know <laughs> what the hell is that sticker on the back? It looks cool. What is it? Yeah. Yeah, I didn't. I try not to tell too many. It's one of those things, you know. You, you, I see. I see this all the time, even on social media. Yeah, I'm going to do this and that, and they have these big plans, but nothing ever comes to fruition. So that was that was me doing this. Like only like a few people. Even, my family didn't even know until like eventually had it off the ground. That was like when I proposed to my wife. I didn't tell anybody. Nobody knew. It just <laughs> happened. They're like, "What? Why didn't you like? No, nobody." I was like, "I don't know why I did it that way, but it did." <laughs> yeah, I don't know, there's something about it. I I feel like yeah, if you're gonna go around telling people what you're gonna do, like the expectations are so high and yeah. And well, it's like then, a symptom what are you going to do? It? Like social media and Facebook, right? Oh, Everyone's yeah. like, I'm going to do this and I'm going to be there. And then it's like three weeks, you're like, okay, Jeff, are you Did an you run that marathon yet? yet? Did you run the marathon? Yeah. yeah. Oh, you stopped training two days after that post. Yeah. Oh, you cool. threw up at your first lifting session and you didn't go back. Yeah. I, which, <laughs> is a little close to home for me but yeah <laughs> like it's it's true so it's it's almost embarrassing to talk about projects you're starting until they have like a level of legitimacy exactly yeah no that's kind of how i felt with this too until i got something out like i told you and you because we were talking about yeah. it and uh Derek fisher i told you not to tell anybody because like well you were the first three guests so <laughs> and i appreciate that <laughs> but uh yeah no it's yeah I, I totally feel you yeah but it's it's a good call i like i, I hope it takes off i hope they, like 
through like through the podcast hopefully people will start checking it out and yeah maybe promoting that because like getting the scholarship the, you know the more people that buy stuff the bigger the scholarship gets and the more promotion that happens and, and like the bigger the scholarship and the more people like get the scholarships too as well like yeah. it, it doesn't doesn't end just at one person they're gonna get just some you know big scholarship you know depending yeah. on profit so what do you think you're gonna start it with because like seeing as this one's coming straight out of your pocket what are you gonna what are you gonna throw at these students uh, the first one would probably about 500 dollars scholarship or something that's like fair that. considering yeah. it's coming out of your pocket yeah that, it'll, be, <laughs> it'll most likely be coming out of my pocket <laughs> that's fair i think but then yeah who knows right like in, in like i want to do on a semester basis of course uh, yeah so it could be this one and then of course the start of the next semester i mean in uh yeah. 2019 or whatever sweet so. We'll see. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. Like I said, two to three year kind of term, see how everything goes and you never know. Yeah. I think there's, there's, there's a lot of good behind it. But. Yeah. See, I just like the room right now. So we have, I like people in forestry and people in environmental sciences that kind of try to find a way to give back or increase exposure and kind of have that conversation, especially with the public. So we have Matt, who's gone to the great lengths of actually doing an entire podcast that he <laughs> tries to walk the line between public and standard use and recreational use, hunting, fishing, and then also tries to appease the industry side and tries to flirt between the two, which is tough. I'm uncomfortable when you try to inflate my ego. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of hand gestures going on, folks. <laughs> he's he's the most hand gestured person available. Just uh, flailing. Tony's been going crazy. Just he just <laughs> I don't even he's low. Subtle. Tony keeps it near his lap. I'm up in the air. I, got that. I don't know what that is. Um, and then Tony, who's like you know starting a business, is obviously involved in forestry, and then kind of wants to give back to the education side. Right? You're up and coming. You're new. You're you're excited for the environment and what that means and what it means to be a steward. Let me help you kind of help raise you up, which is really interesting. And then you have me on Facebook telling people <laughs> off left, right, and center. So we're all kind of doing something. And we're I think involved. that's really well, important. That was the next thing I was going to ask you guys. Like, where do you guys think, just to tie this all together, kind of last last thing we'll talk about is where do you guys see the forest industry going like in the future? Because like I, like through this, it seems like I, it's easy to have like rose color glasses and be just like, everything looks like we're moving in the right. And I, I do think that. I do think yeah. everything's moving in the right it's direction. positive for sure. Right? I think it's good. Yeah, and there's still negative things that are happening. There's, but I think, like, I don't know, individually, if you guys have any thoughts you wanted to throw in there for. Yeah, actually, it, yeah, I, I, it's like a lot of things. Like, you can especially gauge things on social media. Like, from what I've noticed, like, hunting's actually a good one. It, kind of, it almost yeah. it pertains a bit and, you know, has to do with nature. And mm-hmm. you see a little bit of negativity when it comes to, like, forestry and hunting, but I think it's, they, they coexist quite well. Like, yep. like, me and Matt, we both hunt and we're associated with that kind of realm as well. But, like, Especially in like the last five years, hunting has become super popular. Yeah, like which you know has its drawbacks, but I think even imp- more importantly, ethical hunting has become important. Huh? Which is, and I think ethical hunting has become more popular though too. Yeah. I think people are thinking more and more as time goes on about not, you know what I mean, not towing that line of morality when they're out hunting doing whatever right not saying like well they don't say you can't do this and knowing that you know you know something's wrong but yeah no i think it's i think it's a good thing because i mean it's it's getting more people out there getting more people involved and caring about the environment and as soon as you get somebody doing that whether it's atving or fishing or hunting or hiking or or whatever it is it's you never know where that might lead to right they might become a steward of the environment like yeah, exactly. Like they grow up doing those certain things. You're like, okay, you know what? I enjoy my recreational activities. What can I do professionally that can, you know, help manage these things? And yeah. I think that will become like, I, I, I'm not sure what it is right now, but like the Nate Forestry class, I think it's become, you know, increasingly bigger. Like there are more applications and stuff like that. University like, too, it, I think it's It goes through up. its ways, but I think it's, yeah. I don't know if it's directly tied to some of those things we're talking about, but I, I think it has a lot to do with it. People are, 
more and more are interested in the environment and like yeah. what what they can do and what yep. what their part can be. So I, it's definitely moves moving in a positive direction. I think it's just a matter of of getting the like the people see the word forestry and they a lot of the public just automatically thinks for the bad guys from Avatar and I've said that in the past, <laughs> but it's like. It just it just has a bad rap, and I don't think people realize that that we're the stewards of the landscape. We're the ones that are trying to make sure that like yes, we're we're, we're removing like wood fiber, so that like you can build houses yeah. and have sustainable whatever. But it's 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 more than that. Like like I don't know how many people I talk to that go into forestry and they're like, what do you want to do? They're like, I want to be a silviculturist because they want to grow back the forest. Dude, yeah. that was so me. I didn't want to do anything with harvest. Yeah, that's everyone. Everyone wants to be wants to grow back the forest. They want to save the planet, right? But like, meanwhile, providing sustainable, ethical, ethically harvested fiber and like raw material for people to utilize is like wood's the only option. So like, that's also in its own right, like very like noble. You're, you're actually, it's the only one I can think of that's going to like, you yeah. know what I mean? It's a legit natural renewable resource yeah. and it needs to be managed. Yeah. So I, I think things are good. I think it's looking good. So what I kind of worry about is, so we have lots of like new technologies that are coming out, new products and new ways to utilize wood that are very exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, but my problem is forestry doesn't kind of get credit for that. So if you look at like nanocrystalline cellulose and some of the interesting things they're doing and any of the nanotechnologies, everyone's like, wow, that's amazing. But no one thinks that's forestry. Mm-hmm. They think of that as manufacturing or they think of that as like cutting edge science. Yeah. So there can be that facility in Quebec that's making microcrystalline cellulose a ton of powder a day. No one thinks of that as forestry. Forestry no. is just harvesting and it makes studs or it makes pulp. Yeah. And so... That's kind of my problem is the future of forestry is a lot of different material technologies, yeah. but we won't get credit. But that would, you know, gets to those manufacturing centers through mm-hmm. us. As I, long as it keeps level. going, I think eventually the public will catch up. I also worry about the perception of clear cutting. It has a really, really negative connotation, and I only really see that growing. Mm-hmm. And I think it can be done well and can be done sustainably and done in a way that doesn't damage the ecosystem. But I don't know... See if podcast that will win. with Vic Leifers and Ellen McDonald. I, I don't know <laughs> if that'll win the day. Shameless plug. Like at some point, I think either misinformation or public perception will overrule like scientific measurement. Yeah. And I think at some point it's either going to be banned or it'll be the kind of thing that companies have to do very, very quietly or on a very small scale. You think because clear cutting will be? Clear cutting. Depends I, what you mean by clear cutting stuff. I don't <laughs> think that, I don't think in Canada, we we have the tendency to fall victim to public opinion as far as stuff like that. If something's scientifically sound, I think... Yeah. I would hope. I would hope. I don't know. You do obviously. get a few of those instances like, well, BC with the, that's exactly the grizzly bear hunt and stuff like that. Yeah. There's That's the hot topic. That's what I'm talking Public about. perception totally took over. And, it and did. British Columbia will be the canary in the coal mine. It'll roll out. Any change will roll out there before they roll out across the rest of the province. Yeah. yeah. So you kind of uh, Who knows? Right. We'll see. We'll see. You might be right. I hope that we can get the information out there and just let people know that this is a sustainable industry and that it's... I think it's getting... It's, like, it's... Yeah. I think it is. It's it's hard to say. Like I see the positive, but but like there is also like I'm not going searching for these forums where mm-hmm. people are like, you know, yeah, yeah. I don't I don't necessarily have my finger on the pulse either. But no, I think it's it's positive. But I think there's just so many things to forestry people don't understand. Like yeah. like like I said, even my own wife, she doesn't really know what I do. Yeah, but like you know, it's an important job inventorying the forest. Like it's it's very important for the management of the forest. One thing that I always say is that yeah. It's, it, if you don't have a good in, like inventory is the beginning of management. Yeah. It's the beginning of planning. And if you have a 
shit inventory, you're going to have shit management because they can't possibly say, oh, I said this was an Aspen forest and it's actually a black spruce swamp. You're like, that's a serious concern because now all of our models are off and our growth and yield models are off and everything's, everything's askew. And now we have no idea what anything costs or what any, or where we should be or, and it's, so it's, yeah, it's definitely a yeah, it's definitely a must-have for sure. Yeah, it's a broad look of the landscape, but it affects so many so many more little nuances and yeah. I mean, other measurements. And then forestry is moving towards this rebranded green industry. You know, work for the environment, and with things like carbon credits and and looking at our carbon footprints, I wonder if forestry companies won't try to push harder to reduce, like their transportation carbon footprint is a big one, or even. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's the huge. kinds of machinery yeah. we use, like if we can move away from a fossil fuel or always a, looking a for cleaner burning thing. Yeah. And especially when you look at like the, the economics of it, which drive forestry um, and the harvest cycle to begin with, if you can lower your carbon footprint, then that can give you more credits or make you more, you know, mm-hmm. um, positively carbon credit or yep. beyond neutral. And so then that has implications to your business and your position within you know, all, maybe yeah. you can sell those credits to an oil and gas company that may be deficient or whatever. And it so. all drives more sustainable activity, right? Yeah. So, yeah, so exactly. I'd like to see new innovations for transportation and for our harvesting machinery in that's, terms of carbon imprint. That's probably the big public perception is the is the logging industry, I guess. So like, I mean, we don't necessarily pertain to that, but yeah. it's yeah, there's some there's something that'll probably happen there. Yeah. Yeah, it's unfortunate there's that perception, but hopefully with time we can change those things. But Also drones. Drones are going to do everything, guys. Drones are cool people. They're the future of everything. <laughs> are they, though? They Tom? Uh, yeah. <laughs> They're the future of some things. <laughs> we can do some things. Yeah. But isn't that everyone's got a drone? Everyone's, yeah, yeah, everyone thinks right. their business can use a drone and benefit from a drone. So yeah. We'll see. I'll have a podcast about that eventually. But Yeah, you should actually have Tom on. Tom or, yeah, there's a few other companies, yeah. too, that have some. Yeah, so There's a few guys there. T- in the future. That'll be there, so. Anyways, I think that was an hour, over an hour. That's, that's pretty Way solid. more than I anticipated for a random, like, hey, what are we going to talk about today? So, yeah, thanks a lot for coming on. We right. will... Uh, oh, yeah. don't forget, visit my website. Check it out. There's actually a new product coming in about a week. Uh, there'll be some zip-ups and stuff. See if nice. you dig them. If you don't, whatever. I don't <laughs> care. Check them out. <laughs> oh, and then... I guess you'll have that in your uh, intro. intro, the code and stuff. Yeah, your force ten, you get ten percent off all and any additional sales. Yeah, even if there's sales, you get ten percent off that. Too. Yeah. <laughs> when are you gonna have another big sale? You're gonna have like a big. When I get mo- when I the zip ups here when they come out, I'll have a big sale and then you can get ten percent off. So like, yeah, get your ten percent off, make me lose even more money, and it's all good. <laughs> Anyways, thanks a lot, guys. Thanks. Talk to you next time.